we're going to get our choir, our, our singers, everybody, our musicians, we're going to get all up here and get ready to get started.
Father in heaven, we do want to praise you this morning. And we pray that you will receive our praise and our worship and our honor to you. And Father, you are, without a doubt, the, the most important thing in the universe. You are the supreme and sovereign God. And you gave of yourself your word in Jesus Christ to forgive us for our sins and cleanse us, Lord. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your precious life, your death, your resurrection, your ascension, and your intercession for each one of us, Lord. We just pray that, Lord God, you will be blessed, that you'll bless each one of us, that, Lord, you'd fill us with your spirit, and that, Lord God, you would uh, just help us to worship you in spirit and truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We're going to try to turn through some of that. Wednesday night, we have a potluck at 6 o'clock and a Bible study at 6.45, and we are currently in the book of James, and if you haven't, um, if you haven't taken advantage of that, it's really been a good Bible study. Uh, we are in James chapter 2, which is, if you're going to talk the talk, walk the walk, okay? And that's important. Uh, and we'll feed you at 6. Then 6.45 will feed you spiritually, so we'd love to have you. And the church is going to uh, supply fried chicken. Fried chicken. It's going to be really good. Um, the woman's Bible study, depending on Jesus, is October 7th and the 21st, 10 o'clock. You contact Linda about that. Men's Bible study is on Tuesday mornings, and uh, Pastor BK teaches that in the Gospel of Mark. And there's always uh, food and wonderful music and good, good fellowship, too. Um, let's see. I want to thank Heaven Said Flowers for the flowers. That's just uh, wonderful. Appreciate it. And certainly last but not least is the spaghetti feed. Now, if you, if you haven't been there, you got to come. Um, if you're working Friday night, then just come in your work clothes, okay? Because it's you don't have to cook. Spaghetti dinners, uh, very good. It's um, at six o'clock here in the church Friday night, and uh, you can get tickets. They're five bucks a piece, and, uh, and worth every penny. Today is the last day to sign up for that. And today is the last day to sign up for that. Thank you for. Um, if, you need if you need tickets, you can get the pan curtain. Okay. Oh, Pam, you got a big old roll there. Maybe somebody would like to buy the whole roll. Yeah, awesome. And you've got Carmen over here, right? Carmen. Okay, so And there could be the to see who sells the most tickets. Carmen said she'd sell me two for a price of one, but that's <laughs> um, Anyway, um, we'll continue on. In addition to that spaghetti dinner, we always have a dessert auction. So a lot of people will go ahead and uh, they'll make desserts and bring them, and we'll auction off the desserts. And we just have a lot of fun auctioning, auctioning off these desserts. And uh, so it's one of the most fun times we have here at Cuba Creek Baptist Church. So try not to miss it. And then additionally, we have a baptismal service lined up for October the 8th, which is about, what, two weeks away, I think? About two weeks away. And uh, we'll have the sanctuary all set up for that next which will eliminate these front two rows and we'll be having the baptismal service right here. So uh, we're trying to get those arrangements made right now so there's a lot of 
lot to look forward to here at Deep Creek Baptist Church. Yeah, and uh, if you, if you haven't, been haven't ever been baptized, uh, we're going to do it right here in the sanctuary where it's nice and toasty and warm. The water will be warm. Um, we'll have towels for you. and uh, Just come and be baptized. It'll be a wonderful, wonderful time to, uh, to witness of your, uh, of your relationship with the Lord. I just want to say one more thing about the spaghetti dinner. If you think that you're going to come but you don't have your money today, at least give your name to Pam or Carmen because that's how much meat I buy. So um, I need to have that information. Thanks. So we've got some fun music lined up for this morning. Uh, we're going to just look in your hymnal 779. We're going to go ahead and let you remain seated.
in your hymnal 189, a great praise song. And let's just lift this up to the Lord this morning. Just sing it out to Him. Alleluia, 189. right now in this room have needs and we pray that you'll meet those needs. We hold up 11 year old Carson that's in the hospital there in Portland Lord that's 
going to have a tumor taken out of his spine. We just pray that that will be uh, completely successful, Father, and that you'll give the doctors the wisdom and, and grace to remove that tumor and that they'll get all of it. We just hope and pray it isn't cancerous, Father. We pray for Doug, Doug who had uh, a heart issue this last week, that you bless him and that that won't be anything serious, Father. For Cheryl, who's in the hospital, can't walk right now, we just pray that, Lord, as she goes to um, her um, her next visit with the, the uh, people who do uh, rehab, we just pray that, Father, you'd help her to walk and work in her heart. Father, for Jimmy, we just pray that you'll completely help him to recover, and we thank you for the success of his operation for Evelyn. Lord God, that you'd work in her heart and help her with her life. For Sharon, whose husband Harold just died, Father, we just ask that, Lord God, you'd bless her and help her to grieve, Father. And we pray for David, Lord God, who had just had a, a severe heart attack. His arteries are all plugged up, Lord, and we just pray that you will uh, bless him and help him to recover and help the doctors to, uh, to work in his life. And Father, we take this minute to give you our silent prayer requests, Lord, uh, for anyone we might have missed in prayer. And you know who they are, Father. We just give you this, this time, Lord. Father, there's so much. There's just so much to thank you for and praise you for, Lord. And we just hold up again every single person in this room. And we just pray that you'll bless each one of us with your Holy Spirit and help us to worship you, help us to be true to you. And Father, we just ask that you will be blessed by the rest of this service in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's continue to stand if you're able. And let's just continue to praise the Lord. And in your hymnal, you'll see number 78, I love you, Lord. And let's just continue to praise him this evening by just lifting us up.
fellows could come forward and take the offering while the music team's going down. Wasn't that pretty? Okay, let me ask you again. Wasn't it pretty? Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. Chapter 1 that 
those that hear the word, speak the word, and do the word have a special blessing. And we thank you for that, Lord. Just pray that you give us insight to help us in our daily lives, Lord. And I'll give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Hey, listen, if you've got a phone, okay, you turn it off or turn it on silent because um, that would be nice. Very nice, yes. Well, in case you didn't know, most of you do, we are doing a study in the book of Revelation. And I'm telling you, I taught this book four times during uh, the last 20 years or whatever, 25 years. And I am actually getting more out of this study than I have out of all the other three combined. And so I hope you get the same uh, out of it. It's interesting because a lot of people are kind of hesitant to study the book. They're scared of it. And it does have some imagery in it, and, and there are some things that we would consider hard to understand. But I'll tell you this. Everything in the book of Revelation is understandable. Why? It's the book of Revelation. What does Revelation mean? A revealing, right? God wouldn't... Uh, give us this book if he hadn't planned on revealing its contents to it. It's interesting in Daniel chapter 12, when Daniel was given the prophecies, uh, God told, the angel told Daniel, seal up the words of this prophecy until the right time, until the end time. And he told John in his book of Revelation, don't seal up the words. God wants us to know what this book says. Because it is the revelation or the revealing of Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but I want Jesus Christ to be revealed to me. I want to know him better. I want to know him deeper. I want to know everything that is possible to know about him so that I and you can become more like him. Because that's really our goal in life is to become more like Jesus Christ, is it not? So, you can go back to the last previous two weeks and pick up the, um, the CD or the DVD and catch uh, the introduction in Revelation chapter 1. John was exiled to the island of Patmos, which is about 55 miles off of the coast of Turkey, west of Turkey, and he was exiled there because of his faith, because of his testimony about the Word of God. Now, talk about God turning... A bad thing into a good thing. Here he is on this island, a rocky outcropping, this basically a place where Rome sent their prisoners that they didn't like. And God reveals this book of Revelation. He gives John this vision that turns out to be possibly and probably the greatest prophetic vision in the entire Bible. Let's talk about God, you know, using all things to work together for the good, you know. So, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 19, you can go back there, you don't have to do that now, but there's the outline. That's the outline of the book of Revelation. Jesus tells John, write the things that you have seen. What he saw was he saw the glorified Jesus Christ. Eyes of fire. Golden sash around his chest, his 
hair as white as wool, his face shone like the sun in its brilliance, his feet were like burnished bronze. This was a guy that showed power and glory and honor in Jesus Christ. He is the unique person of the universe. The second thing, and that's chapter 1, the second thing that Jesus told John to write was the things that are. The things that are. John was living in the church age, actually toward the beginning of the church age. The church age began at Pentecost and will end with the rapture of the church. And we're getting close to the end of the church age now. So John wrote in chapter 2 and 3, which we're studying, the letters to the seven churches. There's seven letters to seven churches which contain seven elements in each letter. So it's, each letter is perfect. The one thing you'll want to remember about these letters is that they're all very individual, even though there is some, uh, some things that are common in each letter. But... These letters apply to all churches, all believers, in all ages. Are you with me? So just because this letter was written somewhere around A.D. 95 or 96, it applies to us today, for sure. And we're going to get into that. And I, I don't want to take too much more time with the introduction because um, there's, there's so much here. Every time I think I'm going to finish a teaching, I don't finish the teaching. Because how can you finish a teaching when there's no finish to it? Right? So turn with me, if you will, to Revelation chapter 2. And I want to go over the church of Ephesus again to you because this was a church that Paul founded. Now John, the apostle, the revelator, he is the one that founded the other six churches. So it's interesting because Paul wrote the letter to the Ephesians, which we have, but there's no letters to the other churches other than what we have in the book of Revelation. So John takes the dictation from the angel, and he says in chapter 2, verse 1 of the book of Revelation, he says, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, Right. So the angel is the messenger to this church, whether it be an actual angel, a good angel of God, or whether it be talking about a church leader or pastor, it's addressed to the angel. And this angel is to deliver this letter to this church and to all the other churches, including us. we got the letter written here in our language so we can take advantage of it. He says this, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. So if you didn't read chapter 1, you wouldn't know what the seven stars are or the seven golden lampstands. In chapter 1, in verse uh, 20, Revelation explains Revelation. It says this, The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden stand, lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Okay, you with me? So Jesus introduces himself here to, he says, 
these are the words of him who holds the seven stars, that's the angels, and who walks among the seven golden lampstands, that's the churches. So Jesus Christ walks not only among these seven churches in this book, but he walks among all of the churches that preach his name, including ours. Now, not physically, I mean, Jesus isn't walking around the hall, but he is really, isn't he? His spirit is here. So in spirit, Jesus Christ is here, and he is uh, watching and working. He says this in verse 2, and he says this to many, several of the different churches. He says, I know your deeds. Now, Jesus Christ knows our deeds. He knows when we've been bad and when we've been good, when we've been naughty and not nice, right? You can't get away with anything from God. He just knows. He knows everything. So, why should we try to get away with something when we know God knows everything, right? I mean, it's, it's folly, it's stupid. If we do sin, the Bible says in 1 John, that we have an advocate, we have a de uh, defense attorney with God, and that he is, if we confess our sins, he is faithful, always faithful, and he is justified to forgive us for our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All of the other religions in the world, okay, all, first of all, many of them don't recognize sin, all right, and if they do, they say you've got to work for your sins. You've got to work them off. Okay? There's no way you or I or any other human being can work off their sins. It took a perfect human to make a perfect sacrifice on the cross to perfectly eliminate and forgive sinfulness. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did. The perfect human being, the God-man, as it says in John chapter 1, Verse 14. I know your deeds. Now he's going to list some of the deeds here. He says your hard work and your perseverance. Perseverance is patience under pressure. You need to understand too that during this time of these letters, there was great, great persecution going on in the Christian church. It was terrible. Nero was the emperor when the apostles... Uh, were <coughs> apostling, okay? And the next emperor was Domitian. Nero was insane. Domitian was insane, but he was even worse than Nero, which if you can imagine. Nero set Rome on fire and blamed the Christians because he wanted the properties that he set on fire to build a bigger uh, palace. He blamed the Christians for it. You know what he did? He rounded up the Christians. This is Nero. And he tarred them. He put them on stakes in his garden and lit them on fire to light up his garden. Is that incredible? Yes. How evil is that? Well, well, Domitian wasn't any, any better. And we're going to see that as we go on. He says this, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and you have found them false 
we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 where Satan masquerades as an angel of light. Okay? I believe that's what he did in the Garden of Eden. He masqueraded as an angel of light. Came to Eve and said, Really? God didn't want you to eat this piece of fruit? Sure looks good. I bet it tastes good too. And you know what? God just doesn't want you to know the things that God knows. So if you eat the fruit, guess what? You're going to be like God. Well, Eve bit, and so did Adam, and that's where we got sin from. In 2 Corinthians, it says that not only does Satan come as an angel of light, but he has false apostles. He has false workers. He has false doctrine. And we see it throughout the church age. Remember something about the devil is that he is a master counterfeiter. All right? He will counterfeit anything and everything that God the Father and Jesus Christ put out. We see that. We're going to see that especially in Revelation chapter 13. We're going to see that there is a counterfeit God the Father. That's Satan. We're going to see that there is a counterfeit Son. That's the Antichrist. We're going to see that there's a counterfeit Holy Spirit that's going to be the false prophet. And it's very, very interesting how Satan uh, uh, works all this to deceive the world. Let's go on. It says, You, and this is verse 3, You have persevered, patience under pressure, and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. The Bible tells us, don't grow weary of doing good. For in due time, we will receive the promises that God has promised us. We're to be encouraging to each other. You know, if you encourage someone else, what goes around comes around, right? The measure that you choose to give to someone else is the same measure that's going to come back to you. That's what the gospel says. Now, that's the good news. Hard work, perseverance, all this stuff. Here's the bad news. Yet, now this could be translated but or nevertheless, but I hold this against you. Here's the contrast. You have forsaken your first love. Now they didn't lose their first love. They knew where their first love was, right? They left it. They forsake it. They abandoned it. And I will venture to say that somewhere in each one of our lives, at some point in time, we have left our first love. It's just, it's part of nature. You know, you become a Christian, you get married, you have kids, you have to go to work, you have to pay your bills. It's easy to get distracted, isn't it? It's easy to get so full of the details of life that you forget what's really important in life, and that is worshiping God. Amen. Let me give you a Bible verse, okay? You're welcome to turn there if you want to. Luke chapter 10, I believe it is. It's a story, and it's a true story. And you, I'll just read it to you if you don't want to turn there. It's, it's a great story. In Luke chapter 9, verse 51, it says that Jesus resolutely set his face toward Jerusalem. 
He made a resolution, nevertheless, your will be done, not mine, to head toward Jerusalem. Now, he didn't head there for a party. He didn't head there to be crowned king or anything. He headed there to die. He went to Jerusalem knowing that he was going to die. Now, he didn't know exactly what all that death would entail because he'd never died before. Jesus Christ had never been exposed to sin. And yet, all the sins of every single person that would ever live on the face of the earth was imputed to him on the cross. That's the reason he screamed. My God, speaking to the Father, my God, speaking to the Holy Spirit, why have you forsaken me? Here we read in Revelation that they have forsaken their first love, and yet Jesus screamed out, Father, why have you forsaken me? Listen to this story, and it'll, it'll tell you exactly what this means. It says this. So Jesus is headed toward Jerusalem, right? He's, he knows he's going to die. He knows he's, there's going to be torture and trials. and it, It's just going to be terrible, he knows. It was so bad that in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was under so much stress that he sweat blood. There's an actual medical term for that. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, were on their way to Jerusalem, he came to a village. This village is Bethany. It's about, it's about a day's walk from Jerusalem. Where a woman named Martha opened her home to them. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. Now Martha and Mary had a brother named Lazarus, Lazarus was the one that died, was in the grave for four days, and Jesus came and he raised Lazarus from the dead, even though the Bible said he stinketh. Okay? As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, they came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha, concerned with the details of life, was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha. Oh, I'd love to have been a lizard on a rock or a fly on the wall in this one here. You know, Jesus didn't say, Martha. Martha. Mm -mm, no, no, no. You can just imagine how he, how he talked to her. He, he loved her. Of course he was concerned about her. He said, Martha. Martha. You are worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better. It will not be taken away from her. Boy, doesn't that just kind of convict you a little bit? I, I tell you, we, we sing that song, um, I've got plenty of things to do at home. I don't remember which song that was. I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord, right? i got plenty of things to do at home, but I came to praise the Lord. 
Isn't that true? I mean, we've got plenty of things we can do. Yet, we're here praising the Lord, and that's what we should be doing. In Revelation chapter 2, they left their first love. Now, Jesus gives them a solution to this, okay? A way out. He says this in verse uh, 5. Three R's. Remember, repent, and repeat. Okay? Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Now that's kind of sobering, isn't it? Remember how far you've fallen. You know, I don't know about you, but when I first came to the Lord, man, I just wanted to spend time with Him. I wanted to pray and, and sing songs to the Lord, and I just, I, I wanted to learn the Word. There's three things that we think about uh, doing when we first come to the Lord, and that's worship, the Word, and witness. I take, I went to Lithia Park, and I went there almost every day, and I would witness to anybody who would listen to me. And there was a few that did, and a few that didn't. But I planted a bunch of seeds, I can tell you that. Yeah, a bunch of seeds. That's all God requires us to do is go plant some seeds. God says, I'll send somebody to water them, and then he says, I'll make them grow. Just plant the seeds, okay? Well, he says this, remember the height from which you have fallen. You know, Jesus Christ was the most unselfish person in the universe, as far as I'm concerned. And think about this, the night that he was betrayed, the night that one of his best friends came and gave him a kiss on the cheek and told the temple guards, this is the guy. The night that he was going to go to the garden and lay flat on his face and sweat great drops of blood and say to his father, my father, if this cup could be taken from me, but nevertheless, your will be done. I'm willing to do it. That same night, Jesus Christ said to his uh, disciples, remember me. We do that at communion. The bread is representative. We remember the body of Jesus Christ, the life that he, that he spent on the face of this earth, never committing one sin. I mean, that's in and of itself would be incredible, wouldn't it? The cup, when we drink the cup, we are remembering. We're remembering the blood that he shed on the cross. Yes, the Jewish religion and the Christian religion is a bloody religion. But there's life in the blood, isn't there? The blood is very important to God. In fact, you know what he says in Genesis chapter 4? He says, when Cain killed Abel, he says, or Cain killed Abel, yeah. Abel's blood is crying out from, to me from the earth. Now that's strange, isn't it? But that just goes to show you how important the blood is. Well, remember. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent. It just means change your mind. Just change your mind. Do the things that you did at first. Worship, get in the Word, 
and be ready to witness. The Bible says, be ready to and prepared to give an answer to any man, any person that asks you about the hope that you have in and of yourself. We need to be ready for that. He says this, if you do not repent, if you do not change your mind, I will come to you and remove your lampstand. That means that the church is not going to have influence in that community anymore. You know, what would it be better, and, and I wrestle with this, would it be better to have no church in a community or a church that wasn't doing what's right? I don't know. It says here, Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and I will remove your lampstand from its place. God's done that with many and many a church. He says this, but you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Nico in the Greek means conqueror and laos means people. It's where we get the word laity from, people. And this is the beginning of, and we're going to see this especially in the church at per Pergamos in, uh, and, and Thyatira. This is kind of the beginning of where people felt that they were better than others or more spiritual than others or you needed to come to them to, to find out about God. He says, and we'll study the Nicolaitans in uh, a, a church in, I believe it's um, Pergamos. But you, this you have in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that has an ear to hear, that's singular. He is singular. Ear is singular. So now he's people talking to the people in the churches, right? He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Now, I'm not sure exactly what this tree of life is, but I'll bet it's good. I'll bet it's really, really good. I'll bet it's, it's, whatever, I'll bet it's the sweetest thing you've ever eaten. It certainly is eternal life. We're going to find out there was a tree of life in the middle of the Garden of Eden. And there was only one tree that God said, don't eat from. And that was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So they could have eaten from the tree of life, couldn't they? Okay, and they probably did. But here's the deal. When they ate and disobeyed God from the tree of knowledge and of good and evil and sin... God had to usher them out of the garden because after that point in time, if they would have eaten from the tree of life, they would have perpetuated their sin forever. And God didn't want that. Why? Because he had a plan. Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, he had a plan that a godly seed would come in Jesus Christ and take care of sin. Well, let's go on to the next church. Okay? We don't want to be like Ephesus. We don't want to lose our first love. Does everybody agree with that? Wow, I heard three voices. Okay. Does everybody agree with that? Yes. Thank you so much. Wow. The church in Smyrna. Now, when you think of the name Smyrna, 
Do you see anything in that name that's familiar? Smurf? Smurf. You're close. Drop the S and you've got it. Myrrh. Okay, myrrh was a uh, resin that was taken off of a tree, harvested off of a tree. They would, they would scrape the tree and the resin would come out of the tree. It was very aromatic. And it was um, actually had some narcotic uh, uh, features to it. Do you remember they wanted to give Jesus myrrh to drink? To ease his pain, he said, "No." He says, "Uh, uh I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this thing." Myrrh was also used as a burial uh, spice. Do you remember when the, the three uh, wise men, excuse me, came to Jesus? One brought frankincense. One brought, huh? Gold. Gold was for kings. Frankincense was for priests. And they brought myrrh, which was a sweet aromatic uh, resin, but used for death. Isn't that interesting? Used for death. Let's take a look at the Church of Smyrna here. It's chapter 2, starting in verse 8. To the angel of the church in Smyrna write... Now, Jesus introduces himself differently to this church as he does to the last one. These are the words of him who is the first and last, Alpha and Omega, who died and came to life again. That's interesting. He says, I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. This is almost exactly the opposite of what he tells the church in Laodicea. Let me read that. He says this. Um, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. That's this church. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Hmm. That's not too good, is it? Yet in the church of Smyrna, by the way, to get the ar aromatic, uh, to, to, to get the best aromatic smell out of this, you had to crush that resin. Okay? It says... These are the words of him who is the first and last who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions. Jesus Christ knows our afflictions. It says that he was tempted and tested in every way that we are, yet without sin. It says that we do not have a priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Okay? He says, I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. The exact opposite we told church and lady to see it. By the way, in Smyrna here, he didn't have anything bad to say about that church at all. In Laodicea, he didn't have anything good to say about that church. So we'll get to that probably in 2027, somewhere in there. It says this. 
I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. This is bad. There was a... Uh, so how would I describe this? There was a sect of Jews that were not truly a Jew, but they made themselves out to be Jews. And in this case here, he says, you know what? He says, these Jews are of a synagogue of Satan. Certainly they were persecuting. They were part of the persecution. Did you know that in this period of time, uh, emperor worship was a big deal? Which Domitian was, it was against the law not to be a worshiper of the emperor. Domitian was the first one that, as far as I know, that actually claimed to be God. I wouldn't want to be Domitian when it comes to the judgment seat, would you? No. no. And so what would happen is, is that these Jews, synagogue of Satan, would turn into Christians who weren't willing to worship the emperor. And many of them weren't. Some of them did. did. Some of them some of them compromised, which the Church of Pergamos is the compromising church. We'll get to that next week. And they said, well, you know, I mean, really, um, you know, we're Christians, and we believe in the Lord, but I'll just, you know, what the heck? We'll just, we'll just tell them that we worship. And you actually had to make an offering to the emperor. So there was an outward manifestation of this worship. Well, the Christians would be turned in, and they would lose their jobs, they would lose their homes. They would be ostracized, persecuted, etc. And this was really a bad thing. And this is what was happening to the church in Smyrna. It says this. It says, I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are of a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. Okay, now this is not necessarily good news, is it? If I said to you, hey, um, <clears throat> after church, do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. You're like, what? He didn't stop there. He says, I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. And you will suffer persecution for ten days. Now, this ten days could refer to the ten emperors at, who persecuted the church starting with Domitian, technically starting with Nero, I guess. He says, I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. You will suffer persecution for ten days. This could be ten years, because in the Old Testament, we see references to a day being a year. So it could be ten years also. So this is really not very good news. He says, be faithful even to the point of death. Okay, you thought it couldn't get any worse, right? He says this, Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. Okay, okay, well, we all suffer something, right? We can live with that. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. Well, that's, that's a little bit past suffering. You will suffer persecution for ten days or ten years or ten emperors. He says, be faithful even to the point of death. Some of you are going to die. And I will give you the crown of life. 
He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. So why does Jesus introduce himself here? These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. Can you understand why he introduced himself that way? Because he's telling these, this church at Smyrna, hey listen, some of you are going to die. You're going to be persecuted and you're going to suffer. But listen, I died and I came to life again. I have the keys of death and Hades, Jesus says. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. You can look in Revelation chapter 21, 22. It's interesting because a Christian, a born-again Christian, okay, is born twice but dies once. An unbeliever is born once but dies twice. And the second death is delineated in the last chapter of Revelation as the lake of fire. And that's just somewhere that, you know, it's interesting, the lake of fire was not made, was not created for human beings. It was created for the devil and the angels that followed the devil. And yet there are human beings who will refuse the offer of Jesus Christ to, for salvation and instead they will opt for the second death, whether they know it or not. How important then, and I'll finish on this, how important then is a witness? How important is it to plant a seed? Plant a seed to your neighbor, your boss, your co-worker. Plant a seed to your children, your parents, if they don't know the Lord. Plant a seed, you know, have a bag of seeds with you. And just plant it everywhere you go. Don't shove it down anybody's throat. That's not what we're supposed to do. But be ready to plant that seed. Be ready to give an answer of, of, uh, of anyone who would come to you and ask you about the hope that you have within you. Well, pray with me. Dear Father in heaven, please forgive me for my sins. Please cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Help me to love you first and foremost. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I don't know about you, but I find this fascinating. I just really do. And I hope that you as students are finding things about this particular book that maybe you hadn't thought about before. Okay? And if I can accomplish that goal, then we're, we're good to go. So, uh, Wednesday night, Bible study, James. Friday night, 6 o'clock, spaghetti dinner. And uh, right now, we're going to have some music. Yeah, we're going to be dismissed with a song. Uh, if you're here this morning and you've made a special decision in your uh, life uh, regarding uh, profession of faith or rededication, uh, pastors will be up here uh, at the altar after the service, so we're going to stand and be dismissed. You may be wanting to be baptized, if that's one of your uh, one uh, something that God's laid on your heart. Come on up and we'll pray with you about that or any special prayer you may have.
but be sure to remember the spaghetti feed uh, and the dessert option this coming Friday and uh, see Pam or Carmen as you're going through the foyer back here on your way out and uh, just check with them uh, if you need to be added to the list and make sure we know how many to plan for. Which brings me to the sanctuary conversion that we do every year in order to uh, have room for the spaghetti feed. We have some volunteers. Uh, Jeff and Sharon Vickerin have volunteered to help. Uh, myself, Pastor Steve. We're going to meet up here uh, in about five minutes at the Christian flag. And uh, if there's any able-bodied folks that are willing to help us, if you'll come up and uh, let us know. It's, if there's about six people, it only takes about 15 to 20 minutes. But uh, there is a, a, a system to it, and so we'll just ask that we can all meet together so we can put a plan together, and then it'll go pretty quickly. So if you're willing to help us with that, if you'll stay after the service, I think Andrew said he was going to stay. Yeah. And, uh, and don't, don't forget, um, October 8th, we're having our baptism service. So if you haven't been baptized, you want to be baptized again, come and see me and we'll, uh, we'll get you scheduled. It's only $4.95. No, I'm just kidding. It really isn't. It really, let's sing this chorus together. Lord, listen to your children praying. Lord, send your spirit in this place. Lord, listen to your children praying. Send us love, send us power, send us grace. One more time. Lord, listen to your children praying. Lord, send your spirit in this place. Lord, listen to your children praying. Send us love. Friday night, Bible study, Friday night, spaghetti dinner. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday, okay?